Hello and welcome to Circling the Bases, proudly presented by Roto World and NBC Sports. I'm DJ Short, and with me here, as always, is Scott Pianowski from Yahoo. Busy weekend in baseball, and kind of surprisingly, we talked a little bit about this on last week's show, Scott, uh, about some prospects who could get a get a call up here in the second half. Of we have a huge wave of them coming in. We're going to break down all of those today. How was your weekend, Scott? It was great. And as you said, you hit the story, right? That the call-ups were the big thrust. And to the point that I was thinking, did I, did I miss a rule change? Was, was there something where teams are saving money by calling up guys after the All-Star break or something like that? Yeah. But uh, much needed, right? I mean, we're always looking. It's been hard to find pitching on, on the fantasy waiver wire. And even offense in some of my leagues, I'm really scraping for some guys. So to get this influx of talent, and, and in some cases at scarce positions, um, it made it an interesting fab weekend. There's a lot to break down. So, um, you know, you never know where the help's going to come from. Sometimes it's from guys off the injury list. Sometimes it's from a trade. In this case, it's come from the farm. And I, I think some of these guys are really going to pop. I, I got I went in with two hands on a couple of these players. So let's, let's get to it. So let's start out uh, with a returning player, Grayson Rodriguez, with the Orioles. The Orioles, of course, cruising uh, off to – Really, I, I think they're arriving sooner than a lot of people expected, and especially with a team that has a clear need in the rotation. And we're going to see uh, Cole Irvin move back to the bullpen, Grayson Rodriguez returning to start Monday against the Dodgers. Now, Rodriguez made 10 starts with the Orioles earlier this season, had a 7-5-4 ERA, uh, 56 strikeouts and 45 in the third innings, which you like, but... 21 walks, 13 homers allowed. But since that demotion at the end of May, Rodriguez in AAA, his numbers have been great. 169 ERA, 54 strikeouts, 14 walks in 37 and a third innings. The schedule is not great for Rodriguez. I was just looking at it before I hopped on here. So Dodgers Monday, which is scary. Rays after that, which you don't like either. Then gets the Yankees, which is kind of easy, assuming Aaron Judge isn't back. Uh, and then it's the Blue Jays. So three out of these four matchups coming up for Rodriguez are a little tough. But are you willing to give Rodriguez another shot? I, I think you have to for a couple different reasons. I mean, the pedigree, we're talking about somebody who was a top 10 prospect on every board before the season, as ugly as that stint was, I mean, you know, ERA over seven when he got the 10 starts in Baltimore, at least the strikeouts were there, 56 strikeouts and 45 and third innings. And obviously, as you said, he's just been throwing BBs at AAA Norfolk. So the way waiver wire pickups work is that you're going to be taking a chance on somebody. I mean, a few weeks ago, I, I talked myself into Julio Tehran, which has since crashed and burned. I've been dropping Julio Tehran left and right. Uh, you're not going to get if, – if these guys had no fleas at all, if they had no downside, they wouldn't be on the waiver wire. So in the case right. of Rodriguez, we like the pedigree. We like the team. We know the strikeout stuff has already played at the major league level. And maybe that first 10 starts, it's just a matter of getting his feet wet. Now, I don't mind if you pick and choose. Maybe don't start him against the Dodgers. I think the Yankees obviously is green light. Even if Judge came back, I think I would pitch him against the Yankees because yeah. I just don't like the depth of that – that offense right now and you know, Toronto, I still wait for Toronto. We talked last week about them, maybe you know, hitting the ground running, maybe them being a sleeper to win the at least, but they're what 13th and run scored or something like that. I can pitch him there right now. Rodriguez for me is somebody, if I needed to make up ground in wins or strikeouts, 
I would pitch him against, I don't know, 80% of the league. I would just hold him against the absolute studs. I wouldn't pitch him if they have an Atlanta game coming up. I wouldn't pitch him there. I certainly don't like – I think the Dodgers is a wait-and-see start, although in some leagues you might want the two starts that you're looking at. But right. there's too much plausible upside here. So I think Rodriguez makes right. a, a lot of sense for a lot of teams. So the Pirates, you know, got off to the hot start this season. It's It's been a little shaky more recently. They are out of playoff contention, but there's reason to be excited uh, for Pirates fans here. Three call-ups coming Monday for the Pirates. Andy Rodriguez, the uh, most high-profile out of this bunch. Uh, coming up, a young catcher, just turned 23 in May, was a top 100 prospect. Coming into the season, we also have Quinn Priester, uh, right-handed pitcher. He's coming up to start Monday against the Guardians, making his MLB debut. And then there's also an infielder, Leover Piguero, uh, sort of faded a bit in prospect circles, but he was a top 100 prospect prior to 2022. When kind of evaluating these three players, it's a little bit tricky as far as mixed leagues, but who would be your top priority out of these three? Rodriguez, uh, uh, Piguero, uh, or Priester? I think it has to be Rodriguez. The, the shallowness of the catcher position, and I realize that he, his power has kind of been up and down in the minors. He wasn't hitting for a lot of power this year, but I see 36 walks against 47 strikeouts. Anybody who can control their plate appearances that well is almost always a good hitter. 356 OBP. He's even stolen a handful of bases. Yeah. The thing with Priester, unlike Gavin Rodriguez, the triple A numbers aren't that good. ERA is over four. Yeah. The, the whip is 1.36 strikeouts about one per inning, which actually at the AAA level isn't that great. I, he's only allowed six home runs, so he's keeping the ball in the ballpark, but he'll have to work his way onto my roster. Yeah. Even in one catcher formats, I, I could see Rodriguez as being somebody who maybe is a 12, uh, top 12 catcher the rest of the season. I think that's in his reasonable range of outcomes. Yeah, Priester's stuff isn't overpowering by any means, so – I think the momentum on him has, has certainly slipped as far as being a top 100 prospect. But uh, So he's more of a wait and see. I, I do think Leover Piguero is is sort of interesting. Had a middling year in double-A. Uh, he appeared in one game with the Pirates uh, before the season ended last year. But he's put up some pretty good numbers in the minors this year, most of it coming in double-A. 13 home runs, 21 steals, so that category juice – hitting 260 with a 795 OPS over 76 games, was just recently promoted to AAA, had a two-homer game on Friday, good defender, good arm, good speed. I actually picked him up uh, in Tout Wars, mixed Tout Wars this week, just to see what happens there with that speed. It seems like there's a pretty good chance he's going to play a lot of second base for the Pirates in the coming days, so... He's someone I took a shot on. I could see that in deeper mixers just to see how this uh, plays out. And with Andy Rodriguez, I, I'm not sure about the power, uh, but I do love the plate discipline strikeout rate in AAA this year. 14.9%, very good. 11.4% walk rate. So chance to make some contact, hit for average here. Not sure about power just yet, but you have to, as a Pirates fan, you have to be pretty excited. Henry Davis recently called up. Um, you know, maybe we do see O'Neill Cruz next month at some point. Uh, so even though this season isn't going anywhere for the Pirates, I, they've played their way out of contention. Uh, lots of reasons for them to be excited, I think. 
Yeah, for sure. I, I can see a case where they win the division next year. And I like how you frame Pergara where it's, if you can see potential category juice right out of the box, if there's going to be some power, if there's going to be a willingness to run, and we know the Pirates are a team that likes to run anyway. They've had guys, all sorts of different people, some of them aren't relevant now because they're hurt, like Bay, who I, I traded for in labor that didn't work out. But uh, I think they're going to probably give him a green light, or at least if he steals the first couple of attempts, you know, the, the light will stay green. So that's a good reason why you might, again, the plausible upside that appears right away. And, and I, I agree with you, this Pirates team is not going to happen this year, but they're going to be a playoff team in the next year or two. And I, I don't see any reason why they couldn't win the division next year. The Reds are probably going to be the trendy pick and we'll get to them in a second. Yeah. And if, if they stock the farm system and they're finally calling all their guys up, it's just so much fun. I know they get swept over the weekend, but um, I'm, I'm all in on this Reds team, but the Pirates are going to be a force to be reckoned with, I think for the rest of the decade. And I mean, Paul Skeens, the, the top draft pick, he could be in the majors as soon as next season. For sure. Um, so think, and many have called Skeens the best pitching prospect to come out of college than Steven Strasburg. That's, that's very high praise given. Remember the hype when Strasburg was coming through the national system? So uh, to compare it to Strasburg, I know things haven't worked out since the World Series run the Nationals have had. And if you're a little on the younger side, you might not have any memory of the hype of Strasburg when he was coming up. But at that time, he was maybe one of the most hyped prospects in baseball history. Right. He was a really good hitter in college, too. You wonder if he comes a generation later, if there would have been a groundswell to keep him actually hitting more often rather than just giving that up. Although you know, maybe it's just a mistake to compare anybody to Shohei Otani, who's a unicorn. But uh, yeah, I wonder how history is going to remember Strasburg because he's not going to go to the Hall of Fame and he never won a Cy Young Award. But he was a Comet, man. He was he's like one of those guys like Dwight Gooden. You just had to be there. Yep. And if you were there, you, you'll never forget it. Strasburg was one of those guys. I remember, I think, I, I don't know if I, if I was even with Yahoo yet. I might have been working for Fantasy Guru back then. I remember when Strasburg made his, although I think it was a Yahoo uh, thing that I did. When he made his debut, we did a live chat. We actually watched the game with people. And I guess now you would just do that on Twitter, right? Or, or on <laughs> threads or wherever we're hanging out today. <laughs> but yeah, we watched the game in real time. I'm like, oh my God, this, this guy's crazy. I believe he struck out with 14 guys in that opening yeah, Pirates, start. And, yeah. and it wasn't just 14 strikes. It was like an Eric Gregg 14 strikeouts where he's getting all the borderline pitches. It was more like a how does Domination. anybody hit hit this guy? He's yeah. gonna, this guy's going to throw no hitters. He's going to win three Cy Young awards. You know, yeah. he's going to be a right-handed Sandy Koufax. It was just—I'll never forget that game. It was just electric, and he had plenty of highs in his careers, like so many pitchers. We yeah. talked about Jacob Degrom a few episodes ago. You know, his Hall of Fame case probably derailed by injury. And, mm-hmm. You know, some of these guys. It, I still think Johan Johan Santana probably should be in the Hall of Fame because he was dominant. Yeah. He was baseball's best pitcher for like five or six years. And I don't understand why, I, to me, and I know this is in a Hall of Fame podcast and I know we don't have a ton of time today, so I'll just put a period on this. I I would rather see guys who are great for a short amount of time get in over like the Harold Baines. Okay, he was always good, never yeah. like an MVP. He did it for a long time. I, I'd rather have the Comets. I'd rather have the Terrell yeah. Davises. I'd rather have their Nirvanas, the guys who have that moment where they electrified you. To me, Santana checks that box. DeGrom checks that box. Strasburg checks those, those that box. I'm not saying they're all Hall of Famers. I think Santana at least deserved a look. I don't know how they dismissed him so quickly. And I yeah. and I hope they significantly consider guys like DeGrom and Strasburg, even if they don't get in. Because, again, they had that very high peak when they were on. I mean, DeGrom won multiple Cy Young awards. I, I yeah. almost think 
if you win multiple MVPs or Cy Youngs and there's like nothing sketchy about the voting, if all those guys were Hall of Famers, if Dale Murphy was a Hall of Famer, even like Roger Maris, some people might be like, well, wait a minute, Mantle was better in 61 anyway. But Roger Maris won two MVP awards and he had the most important record in baseball. To me, that's enough. Right. I, I totally agree with you there. I, I think a healthy mix is good to have the, the you know the short peak kind of players who maybe were impacted by injury. That's not all their fault. I don't think that should really go against uh, the case of a DeGrom or, uh, or even Strasburg. Uh, but yeah, we'll see. I, and actually, this is a good time to talk about Hall of Fame because the Hall of Fame induction is coming this weekend uh, in Cooperstown. So that should be a lot of fun. We mentioned the Reds a little bit already here, uh, maybe burying the lead, but the Reds are calling up Christian and Carnacion Strand reportedly. Uh, the question is, where the heck does he play? That Reds lineup is so loaded right now, but the numbers uh, for Encarnacion Strand and AAA are just mind-blowing. Hitting 331, 20 home runs, 1042 OPS over 67 games. 67 games, 20 home runs for AAA Louisville this season. Hit 32 homers over 122 games in the minors last year. He's mostly played first base this season. But as we know, Joey Votto's back. DH, maybe, but Spencer Steer is had a good year. Ellie De La Cruz is there. Matt McLean's there. So it's like, where where does he get in this lineup? Maybe Redfield. I don't know. I you know, you look at his stats and it's like, wh- where was this call up, right? I, well, what are you waiting for? 331, 405, 637, mm-hmm. only 69 strikeouts. As you said, the the 20 home runs. Um, the, it's, these are video game stats. And a team that was I guess they held Ellie down maybe a little bit longer than they had to. We, we know Steer came up early. This is I, I was I so badly want to see this team in the playoffs, and it's just mm-hmm. get your best team on the field. Now, I, hopefully, their pitching can stay healthy, and some of the young pitchers can maybe show something over the final third of the season. That's when the Achilles heel for this team. But maybe it's just a case of you have one more starter than you need, and everybody takes a proactive day off, and then eventually somebody ends up getting hurt, or somebody you know maybe maybe the the performance of different guys dictates who's in the lineup it's a nice problem to have it is and is, and is it also nice that we have the dh in the, in the national league so we can squeeze another hitter in there it would have been a bigger problem in previous years where you know some as if a player didn't have a defensive value they didn't want to play in the field or just be easy to platoon guys it would i mean it's just so nice that the, the universal dh has made fantasy it's just given us a lot more fantasy viable players in the national i feel like the, the batter pool always has 10 extra hitters I know right. it's not a, a, a dollar for dollar thing because some teams don't have a good DH or whatever, but I just love that there's more offensive slots available. The, when, when I saw the news, my first thought is I hope I can get him somewhere. And I was able to get him in a league where I had to make a bid. And I was able to get him in my league where you only get 20 pickups. And I was not sure. I only have eight pickups left. I've actually been passed. I was in first place. I'm in second place now. And I'm like, ah, oh, man, I don't, don't want to spend a pickup here. I'm like, you know what? I have Ellie De La Cruz. I'm just going all in on the Reds. I'm going to win this league on the strength of the young Reds players. So yep. uh, maybe I'll, I'll trade for one of their other young guys. I already have, you know, Ellie, who's like practically the captain of my team now. And so um, I decided to go thematic. When in doubt, you know, build, build something you can market to the fans. Yeah. Noted Reds fan, Scott Pianowski. Yeah. Uh, the Reds were swept over the weekend by the Brewers, which is a big deal. Uh, they lost one to nothing on Friday, three to nothing on Saturday, four to three. On Sunday, I do think this is somewhat of a response to that um, as they try to stay competitive in that division. Also, they were short on offense over the weekend. Ellie De La Cruz was shut down. 
by the Brewers. I think Devin Williams saved every single one of the games in that series. Uh, so a huge sweep there for the Brewers uh, as they battle for first place in the NL Central. I do think it's going to be some mix and match. So if you were lucky enough to scoop up Encarnacion Strand off waivers or off FAB, you're just going to have to watch the lineup on a daily basis here. Uh, some more young players to talk about in a minute. But first, Juan Soto and the Padres are looking to climb back into the postseason picture. And they'll have a shot to inch closer on Sunday, MLB leadoff in Detroit when they face the Tigers this Sunday. Stream the matchup live on July 23rd, this coming Sunday, at 11.30 a.m. Eastern, exclusively on Peacock. We talked a little bit last week about, you know, can the Padres get back in the race? Can the Mets get back in the race? I'm going to say no on the Mets. Uh, do the Padres have a have a chance or should they sell? And if so, like, who do they, who do they sell? And they've invested so much in this team. And I, you still, you look at that lineup and you wonder how, how can they not have more runs? You know, they, they have yeah. all-stars at so many different positions and, and the pitching's good too. You know, a staff of Darvish and Musgrove. And we talked about how Snell has basically been unhittable for almost two months now. Yeah, there is a team that I would go as far as close to the deadline, and I realize we're getting close to the deadline. But I would go as close to the deadline as they can, and then like the maybe like a day or two before the deadline, talk to people, but see get as much information as you can on where you are in the race before you decide what you want to do. I I, I would not give up on the season yet, even though they're probably I got to figure what they're probably like fifteen percent that make the playoffs right now. I think it's very unlikely the Mets will. A situation will present itself for the Mets to trade Max Scherzer or Justin Verlander. Uh, and the Mets would probably have to pay down a lot of the salary to get a decent prospect back. And then you have to ask yourself, well, what does the Mets rotation look like next year? Do you want to win next year? So is trading one of those guys counterproductive when they don't have young pitching ready uh, to come up and contribute next year? So the Mets are in a tough spot with those guys. I think they'll trade, as we talked about already, Tommy Pham, like a Mark Canna, those aren't going to bring you back top prospects. David Robertson's had a great year. Maybe you could get something good for, for him, but I, I just don't really see the Mets getting a ton back here. Uh, but I do think they'll, they'll sell when it's, it's smart to sell. And, and clearly, you know, I, I they're what, like eight, seven games out of the wild card. Like I think this they got to be realistic. This is fascinating to me. So I look at the fan graphs playoff odds, the Padres, believe it or not, and look, I love fan graphs. I just, just looks wrong to me. The Padres have better playoff odds on fan graphs than the Reds do. The Padres are 24.4%, despite being 44 and 50, 10 games out in that division. The Reds, as you said, just swept, but they're only two games behind the Brewers, are only 21% to make the playoffs. Man, hmm. I, I, I got to figure it's better than that. Maybe it's yeah. that, maybe their data isn't giving enough credit to some of their young talent because it doesn't have a track record yet. The Mets are at 13.7%. That sounds high to me. I feel like it's yeah. like one one point seven percent in my mm-hmm. mind. And as yeah. you said, now we know Steve Cohen, big big ego, big um, you know big uh, bank account, big wallet. Does he circle the why? Is he willing to throw in the towel on the season and say, okay, well maybe we'll get Otani next year, or if, if not, we'll make some other splash right. in free agency? We know the Mets are going to be. I mean, they have biggest payroll in baseball history, right? Um, they're going to yep. be financial players. And it's weird. You know, the funny thing is Verlander and Scherzer have been okay. It's not like we could say, oh, well, they've been a colossal bust. They've missed the whole season or their ERAs are four and a half or something like that. They've been okay. I guess the point was that they were paying them to be like, you know, um, top ballot 
Cy Young contenders, and they haven't mm-hmm. been that. They were. Yeah. And it's just weird how the lineups played out, right? I, I think the guys, I mean, Alonzo hasn't hit for an average. Uh, you know, Nimbo's yeah. been surprisingly healthy. We talked about Tommy Family, at least, been one of their better hitters. McNeil's been uh, awful. I didn't see that coming. I thought I, mean, I thought you could set your watch by him hitting 313, and I guess that's not going to happen. Nope. Um, I, yeah. I, my timing has been all wrong with the young players. Every time I trust Beatty, he disappoints me. Every time I kind of give up on him, he comes back. When Alvarez had his hot streak and he got promoted in the lineup, I'm like, oh, wow, he's a top five catcher. I feel like he hasn't got a hit since then. Hmm. Um, I don't know. The good news, DJ, is that your team will, you know, Steve Cohen's going to try to put one, one of the he major – contenders on the field next year it may have a different shape they may, he may be this team almost may turn into like kentucky of major league baseball like every year it's like okay here are your nine new players or 10 new players or something yeah. like that but um yeah you know, you're, you're gonna have to wait a year and, and as i talked about i'm not picking on your team because even though the red sox are 50 and 44 um and man their th- playoff odds are 30 percent again that seems high to me i I would sell Mike Paxton as soon as they could. I would sell Kenley Jansen as soon as they could. I, I would move anything that doesn't look like it will be part of your team in three years, I, you know, two or three years. I would trade all those guys. Yeah. You know, it's funny to hear uh, just in the media, I think some of it's just like ribbing on the Yankees, but uh, the Yankees are, are they in last place solely or are they tied with the Red Sox? Red Sox, it's, yeah. Same record, 15-44, which is yeah, a heck of a record. It'd be first place yeah. in other divisions. They're still in it. That's the thing. Like, the Mets and the Padres are the biggest failures. You know, the, the Yankees are right there. They're they're a week away of good performances and Aaron Judge coming back from being in a wild card spot. And I, I still think I still think the Yankees have a very good chance uh, of getting there um, when it's all said and done. Carlos Rodon being back. We're going to get into the Yankees here right now. Josh Donaldson going on the IL. That might be, you know, addition by subtraction here with the way Donaldson has hit this year. Hitting 142 with the 659 OPS. He has 15 RBIs this year. 10 of them are his own home runs. Explain that to me. That's super weird. So uh, lands on the IL with a right calf strain over the weekend, which has been a lingering thing for him. So Oswald Peraza called up on Sunday, stole a base, had an RBI single in that wild game against the Rockies where the Yankees actually had two leads after the eighth inning and blew both of them. That's the first time in Yankees history that's ever happened uh, to that franchise. Uh, and I, I think really puts in perspective the way the Yankees, things have been going with the Yankees recently. But Peraza is, I think, kind of interesting. And it seems like he's going to play quite a bit here for the Yankees moving forward. It's been a little bit up and down uh, since his time in AAA, but I do see a little bit of category juice here. You still got the home field there with the Yankees. So, if you really need some deeper league help, I think Peraza could be useful. There's a chance. Um, I think the category Chiefs will play. It's just, it just amazing. Look at this offense. You take Judge out of it. They only have two other players who have a positive uh, weighted runs created plus, which means you know basically you're a better than average hitter. Stanton's actually right at the equator. He's at 100. And Torres and Rizzo are both at 110. They're both having yep. re- reasonable seasons, not certainly not great seasons, not you know, MVP seasons, all-star seasons, anything like that. But there's just a whole lot of you – know, all of a sudden, like DJ LeMayhew and and guys like that, they seem like they're five years older than they really are. Donaldson's been like that. They, they mm-hmm. got rid of Aaron Hicks, which I get, and then he's actually been somewhat useful with the mm-hmm. Orioles. As as a Red Sox fan, it's funny. I mean, you're a Mets fan, which means you know you're not in direct conflict with the Yankees, but you're probably you know kind of against the Yankees. I'm a Red Sox fan. I'm against the Yankees. 
I've lived in ever since the Jeter era, right? I mean, they, they had the great 70s teams, you know, the, the Reggie teams, the Nettles teams, and the Ron Guidry teams and all that. And then they kind of lost their way in the 80s. They had Henderson, they had Winfield, they had a lot of great players, Don Mattingly, all those guys. Then they lost their, their way, Stump Merrill years, whatever. Ever since the Jeter era, I've always been, I've always treated the Yankees like the, the monster under the bed, the monster hiding in the closet in the horror film mm-hmm. that is never dead, that it looks dead, but it's not. You have to be afraid of them. And I know they haven't been to a World Series since 2009, but True. I'm always afraid that Brian Cashman's going to hoodwink some team, offer a couple of non-prospect prospects, and get somebody really good. I don't think this offense is fixable. Even if they yep. make the playoffs, I don't think they have – And I, look, I, obviously a rotation if Rodon comes back healthy to have Cole and Rodon at the front of a rotation, and the bullpen's been fine. That's pretty good. I get that. Yep. I don't think they're going to score enough runs. I, I think the, the yep. rest of the AL contenders are too good. I, I am not – for the first time in forever, I'm not afraid of the Yankees. It's a really weird space to be in. Yeah. I mean, I would expect the Yankees to be aggressive for a bat going into the deadline. Who that is, it's hard to say. I think the group of sellers is not it's not large. You know, Cody Bellinger will probably be out there. Does he fit with the Yankees? I mean, I think anybody who could contribute with the bat fits with the Yankees. But um, there's not a lot of sellers out there, right? which is a byproduct of expanded playoffs. And right. I think this is probably going to be, maybe I'll be shocked. And there's a, you know, a big trade, the Mets trade Verlander, the Padres trade Soto, the angels trade Otani. But I think those are less likely to happen. Um, you could certainly make a case for Otani to be traded. I, I, for some reason, I just, I think they're going to have to be blown away for it to be a real possibility here. I hope I'm surprised though. Um, something we should watch closely here. In the coming days is Bryce Harper is prepping to play first base. It seems he's going to start at least one game in the upcoming series against the Brewers. Uh, They're playing a three-game series beginning Tuesday, so look for him to make his debut uh, there this week. Uh, He hasn't actually played defense in a major league game since April 16th of 2022. Remember, he had the elbow issue last year that basically made him exclusively a designated hitter back from Tommy John surgery. Now just recently broke a homerless drought at the plate. Uh, I think we could see the Phillies in the mix for uh, possibly a bat leading into the deadline, but they just recently promoted Johan Rojas as well. So by extension of putting Harper at first base, you put Kyle Schwarber in the DH spot. He's negative 15 defensive runs saved. Mm. So you make your defense better in the outfield. If you add Rojas, there's a good defender. And maybe the lineup, maybe the lineup's better too. We've said that top to bottom, they should be better than they have been. But I'm looking fantasy-wise next year. Bryce Harper gets that first base eligibility. He's first base outfield eligibility uh, eligible next year. Where would you put him among fantasy first basemen next year? We know Freeman's the class of the position. Vlad Jr.'s there. Matt Olson, Pete Alonso. Where does Harper fit in that dynamic? I think probably at the tail end of that group. Um, it feels weird to say that. It's, you know, it's just so nice to see him at a home run the weekend. He had a couple of doubles. Yeah. He hasn't hit for power. He came back ahead of schedule, and it's great. And if you told me, well, Bryce Harper came back early, 60 games, he's hitting 300, OBP 395. Like, oh, oh, wow, league winner Bryce Harper. He's got four home <laughs> runs. He's got 26 yeah, RBIs. You know, we thought it would just be a loaded Phillies lineup. But, I mean, just the fact that he's on the field is remarkable. And maybe it would just make sense that it would take a while. This is why yeah. I'm always 
I always say it's no fun to play fantasy baseball like an actuary, but with long-term injuries, I just try to keep my feet on the ground because just because guys come back doesn't mean they come back to the level of production we're expecting. But maybe we'll see Harper. I mean, if he were to look at last year, 877 OPS, a 514 slugging, if he could be that guy over the second half of the year, man, what a shot in the arm for the Phillies. He feels like a third-round pick to me next year. Yeah, I agree. So two players to watch who are about to go on rehab stints, Trevor Story, uh, had UCL surgery. Uh, when was that? March, February. Right. Uh, so he should start a rehab assignment maybe as soon as this week. So realistically, we could see Trevor's story back with the Red Sox in early August, and we know what he's capable of doing. So keep an eye on him. You know, if for some reason he's on waivers, he might very well be. So keep an eye on Trevor's story. Also, Brendan Rogers is set to begin a rehab assignment. He had shoulder surgery back in spring training and initially we thought maybe he would be done for the year he is not he could be back as soon as early august as well you get that coors field effect uh with rogers and we know what he can do shoulder surgery so who knows power wise but i think both those guys if they are out there in waivers right now you should scoop them up put them in an aisle spot see how their rehab uh situations develop here widely available by the way stories at 41 percent rostered in yahoo and rogers is only seven percent and I get it, you know, Roger, it, I feel like the, the Rockies are one of those teams that wants a different lineup every day. And, man, it's so strange. Ever since Colorado came into baseball, you know, first they played Mile High Stadium, then they've obviously coursed field for a long time. It's always been, okay, I have to have an angle on Colorado. I have to have a piece of this offense. And this is like one of the first times maybe ever I can remember just not caring. I, I don't care yeah. if I have any Rockies. There's nothing here to get. Yeah, there's nothing to get. Yeah, and it's, it's so it's true. Maybe, it's sad. Maybe maybe that, that that's the trickle down effect of Rogers. That even if him, him being IL eligible right now, he's only seven percent rostered. It's a story. I know he didn't have the greatest liftoff in, in Boston last year. They did yeah. him for power. He did. He was thirteen for thirteen on steals. The average wasn't great, but he's a. And so we'll see what happens with him. But I, I'd be more in, a much more interesting story. And I, I realize Me it's kind of obvious with the roster tags that kind of suggest that as well. But. Man, I'm just at a point now where call. I'm just. I expect everything. Colorado. I mean, if they signed Otani, I'd expect Otani to like. I don't know. Give up baseball and become like a. I don't know. Travel the world in a in a Winnebago or something. You know, like, yeah. Okay. I'm done. You know. I don't know. Uh, no, I'm with you on that. That that is the sad part about Colorado. When they have a home stand, I'm kind of like got to talk myself into picking anyone up from their roster. Yeah. It's like, who are they? Well, it's like who are they playing? Right. I want to play the. I want to yeah. play the other yeah. guys for three games. Right. But I don't want to play any of the Rockies for ten. It's so exactly. stupid. I, I know their, their catcher Diaz has actually had a pretty good season, although he hasn't yep. hit much in the last month or so. But he probably still, if you rank all the catchers, he probably hashes out to the top ten. That's congratulations. You know, you're the valedictorian <laughs> of the Colorado offense. And man, is Chris Bryant just not a thing anymore? I realize he's had a lot of injury problems, but yeah. I think we better talked about this before the season. You go to his baseball reference page, and it's filled with guys like Hank Blaylock. Guys who were, were really good in their twenties, who flamed out yeah. in their early thirties, it's it's filled with guys like that. Yeah. And I just wonder if that's who Chris Bryant is going to be. Yeah, I mean, talk about hype prospects. I mean, Chris Bryant. Remember the whole service time debate when he didn't make the uh, Cubs roster out of spring training that one year. When he, he really should have made needed it. seasoning. Yeah, he needed two yeah. weeks of playing third base in the minors. What a sham, yeah. man. Wow. Let me just mention his comps. His his comps are Richard Hidalgo. Is for Baseball Reference. Richard Hidalgo, Hank Blaylock. You go down a little bit to Yanis Cespedes, 
Corey Kosky, Bob Horner, you just got guys who were, were great in their 20s who looked like, you know, people yep. talk about Bob Horner, like he may hit 700 home runs. He did not hit 700 home runs. Um, Blaylock was out of the game, I think, by age 30 or 31. Hidalgo was irrelevant by his mid early 30s. And, and I, I, I like baseball's hard. Cespedes obviously had a career that was very top heavy. Mm hmm. I don't know, man. I think I think Chris. I, and maybe, again, maybe I'm letting Colorado. I have Colorado glasses on. Maybe that's part of it. But I, I think Chris Bryant stays as a fantasy relevant guy, and he is. This is age thirty one season. I mean, he should have like five more years of relevance. I know it's great. Well, I mean, he signed a big contract with with the Rockies. So there's a, there's a while to go there. We haven't talked about it, but have you played Immaculate Grid yet? I, I've heard it's great. I haven't. It's been recommended. Oh, man. It's, it's right up your alley. Yeah, it's it's right up your alley. Definitely check it out. It's so fun. I, I love it. And and baseball reference uh, or sports reference, they they bought the game. Okay. Um, so they've integrated some of their stats and stuff into it. It's it's really awesome. It's like, hey, uh, you know, name a player who played for both the Red Sox and the, uh, you know, Rockies or Blue Jays, and then, like, that's one box. And then there's, like, name a 300-game winner who played for the Pirates or, you know, and down, and it, there's there's nine blocks you have to fill in. It's it's super fun. If you're, like, a trivia freak, it's, like, the perfect game. Um, and you get, a, you get a, a unique score based off the players that you've named, uh, and it compares it against other people who played that day and what their answers are. So it's, like, it's really fun. Uh, if you haven't uh, checked it out yet, definitely go. I will. I will, and I'll report back. It, I'll probably waste. I'll probably waste the rest of the day playing it, knowing me. But yeah, um, yeah, good stuff. There's a new one each day too, so that's a thing. New one each day. It's super fun. Uh, before we move on here, we're going to wrap up the show here in a second. But before we do, with the NFL season quickly approaching, now is the perfect time to get your Roto World Fantasy Football Draft Guide. Get ready for your draft and stay one he- one step ahead of your league going into the preseason with updated player rankings, profiles, projections, mock drafts, and more. Go to NBCSports.com slash draft guide and use our promo code draft 2023 to save 20% at checkout. DeAndre Hopkins uh, signed over the weekend. We'll have updated rankings and tiers coming out of that. uh, Hopefully today, maybe tomorrow. Uh, so definitely go check that out. A lot of fallout with that. Uh, I know it's only been a short time since probably the last uh, fab run in our leagues. Only a couple of days, of course, coming out of the All-Star break. Any interesting ads in your league, Scott? Sure. There's always interesting ads. Um, as I said, Encarnacion in, in Strand was somebody I went after. Kerry Carpenter has gotten my attention. Yeah. Settled into, I know the Detroit lineup is in a destination offense, but hitting usually clean up. He's got a playable average. He's shown some power. And also Michael Lorenzen, I started against Seattle over the weekend. And I, I kind of like a, you know, attempt to perm situation. I, I know he was like their de facto all-star, but yeah, ratios are playable. Um, another yeah. guy who could always hit, right. Um, but we're not sure how good he could pitch, but I could see him having maybe a, a three, seven ERA, a 1.15 whip strikeout per inning the rest of the way. You, and, a lot of soft landings in that AL Central. So, uh, other than the uh, the rookies we talked about, and Encarnacion Strand was at the top of that for me. Uh, those were a couple of guys I went after. Yeah, this week wasn't super active in mind. Andy Rodriguez, who we talked about, uh, Logan Allen was actually the top bid. He was released in my NFBC league, so not a ton there. Uh, Alec Marsh, who's gotten some play, 
so not a ton in my NFBC league. Uh, in Tout Wars, I, I got uh, Leo Verpiguero, who I'm excited about. We'll see what happens with that. Oswald Peraza uh, was picked up in that league as well. Uh, so not a ton. Will Benson was a pickup last week, which I really liked. And Tarek Skubal, too. It's actually a bargain here at 27. Jeff Erickson in my NFBC league got him for 27. I think that's going to be a value moving forward as well. Will Benson has been sneaky good uh, with the Reds uh, so far. They're, they have no shortage of fantasy relevant bats at the moment. No, it's a fun team, man. I, I, again, I'm, I'm all in on the Reds. I know they just get swept. Just, you know what? Buy the dip. Buy the dip on the Cincinnati Reds. That's what I'm going to leave you with today. Remember to subscribe to Circling the Bases wherever you get your podcasts. You can actually find all your favorite NBC Sports shows on Amazon Music now. Just head to amazon.com slash NBC Sports. Also, follow us on Twitter if you don't already. Scott is at Scott underscore Pianowski on Twitter. I'm at DJ Short. Take care, everyone. We'll see you next time.